Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the Eagles are now 6-1 and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 116. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts on the Eagles' huge win on Monday night, prime time against the Washington Redskins. That game was outstanding from start to finish. It was a slow start for the Eagles, but getting a chance to see them fight through adversity and come back and really kind of route that division rival and put them to bed. It is hard to beat the same team twice in the one NFL season. The Eagles were able to do that against the Washington Redskins on Monday night. Then we'll get into this matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I think is much better than their record suggests. And we'll get into our scouting report where I'll break down a player that has really been a factor for them in the passing game over the last couple weeks, a player I really liked coming out of college. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. I was joined today by Greg Cosell to talk about the big win over Washington and the upcoming matchup against the 49ers. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined once again by NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, I appreciate the time today. It's Tuesday afternoon. The Eagles obviously coming off the huge victory against the Washington Redskins. You and I got to watch the tape live, uh, or got to watch the game live together on Monday night. But after reviewing the tape on Tuesday, what were your initial takeaways? Obviously an outstanding performance from Carson Wentz. Let's start there with the second-year quarterback. Was it as good as you imagined it would be before you started watching the, the, the film from Monday night? Yes, it was pretty good, Fran. Uh you know, I, I think as we sort of discussed last night watching the game, I think one of the things that really stood out to me, uh, with the exception maybe of one throw that would have been a touchdown to Jeffrey, was just the accuracy. And I think the ball placement. And I think that Doug Peterson even addressed that. Uh, it might have been after the game. and It might have been today. But I know I heard him speak about it. That's an area in which I think Carson Wentz has greatly improved. And even the deep ball, the last number of weeks, he struggled early in the season throwing the deep ball, uh, as you and I talked about, but the last number of weeks, he's been much, much better. I mean, the touchdown to to Holland, the 64-yarder, that ball was actually in the air for 62 yards, and that is a long throw, and he put that right on Holland's hands. Uh, So that's... Uh, among many things, that's one thing that that has stood out the last number of weeks, and certainly last night. Yeah, and not just the drive throws either. Even the ones where he does require some touch, and you know the the forty six yard pass to Zach Ertz on the crosser uh, against the zone blitz was just a, it was a thing of beauty. And you just see that touch, you see the poise against the blitz consistently. You see his ability. It, to me, like everyone talks about uh, playing within structure, and that's obviously extremely important. And when you don't want a quarterback who operates completely outside of structure you don't want that to be the focal point of their game but Carson is just so good at not only playing within structure but then when things break down and we saw that happen a couple of times on Monday night when he when things break down he's able to make plays not just with his feet but then also with his arm the the touchdown to Corey Clement down in the red zone was just it's it's unbelievable honestly Greg when you watch how a second year quarterback is able to make plays in every phase of the game it's it's really been fun to watch him develop 
exactly right. But I just wanted to come back to that 46-yard at Ertz because, you know, I, I think I said it when we were watching live that I'm not sure if people really appreciate how good a throw that really is because that was not a short throw. That was a downfield throw, and that's a throw that really required touch and pace. That's not a drill throw, and you're actually throwing it to air, as we say. You're throwing it to an area. You're not throwing it to the receiver. You're taking the receiver to an open area, so it's what we call a spot throw. And that, to me, was just really, really an outstanding throw. Now, that that was the drive that came after the Holland 64-yard touchdown, but I thought that that drive, uh, which ended with the the Ertz touchdown, uh, but that 46-yarder, to me, was maybe the biggest throw uh, in the game. You can't talk about Carson in the pass game without talking about this offensive line. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson makes his return, but the the big story, obviously, the Eagles losing Jason Peters at left tackle. He'll be out for the year with that knee injury. It's it's just a tough loss. He's playing at such a high level. Initial thoughts on what you saw from Big V in, in limited action at left tackle. We got to see him for a full game at right tackle the week before against Carolina. What were your initial thoughts watching him this week against Washington? I wouldn't say last night he was a liability by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I think the Eagles do have the quick game in the pass game. I think they have the, the, the three-step drop, the five-step drop. I think they can theoretically compensate for it, uh, assuming he – I mean, is, is it our understanding at this point that he'll stay at left tackle? He'll play left tackle and Lane Johnson will stay at right tackle? Is that the way you think it will be going forward? Uh, that's a good question. They haven't said anything either way. I would. The way that I see it is – it doesn't really if if they feel like look Lane Johnson feels really comfortable going over to left tackle and Big V feels most comfortable at right tackle then maybe that's what they do if not if if Lane's good either way if v, if v is good either way why disrupt the apple cart across two positions if uh, you're able to keep it all the same and just plug Big V in so uh, that'll be really interesting to see how that's handled I, I don't have a sense of it either way. Yeah, you know, I think one thing, and again, you know, you always, and coaches do the same thing. I think one thing that, though, does need to happen is I think the run game must, they must become more consistent week to week in the run game to really have a complete offense. Uh, you know, Wentz is obviously progressing to the point where he may be a special player, and and, and that's great. But I think that, you know, and, and we've discussed this, I think Blunt needs to be more involved on a weekly basis with the kind of runs he runs best. They're downhill runs, they're gap scheme runs, Trap, wham, those kinds of runs. We've seen them have success this year. Last night, they really did not run the ball very well at all. And, and of course, Wentz compensated for that with just an outstanding performance. But you certainly can't count on those kinds of plays like the Corey Clement touchdown that you talked about. You can't count on those kinds of plays on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it was a shame, too, because they had, they had a couple of really well-blocked runs, especially early in the game, that came back on some penalties. And that really kind of, I thought, disrupted some of the flow. You saw a couple of those drives. They were able to string together a couple of big runs. But I agree, the, the run game, not where it needs to be overall or for the long term for what we saw this past evening against Washington. Uh, and then you, you look at the tight end position. Zach Ertz continues to be productive. The route that he ran on that, I want to say it was a 26-yarder in the high red zone uh, on the post against DJ Swearinger. I mean, that, that was outstanding. He's been, he's been such a good route runner this year in, in terms of being able to attack defenders' leverage and try to win inside. Uh, he's been very, very effective in that area of the field as well. 
Well, what he's done for the Eagles, too, and, and Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, and they go through this every week, I'm sure, is he, he gives them that critical matchup weapon versus man-to-man coverage because he's consistently shown the ability to win versus man coverage safeties. And then, you know, I know the play you're talking about, it was a, a route they've run many, many times, and, and, and Carson actually made a, a really good throw there. He put, put it up high. I mean, he's a big guy, Zach Ertz, and, and most of the safeties he's going to play against, obviously, are shorter. Uh, but yeah, he's shown much more precision this year as a route runner. Really good hands. I, I don't really recall him dropping balls uh, this year. Uh, he's been very shorthanded. But yeah, he's really become a weapon. And they use him that way. I mean, they use him. Look, as you know, they like three by one sets. So in three-by-one sets, he's pretty much either the ex-ISO position, the single receiver to the boundary, or he's the inside slot. But then as they get closer to the red zone, they also use him a lot in conjunction in two tight end sets where they work him with uh, Selleck very often, and, and they get him matched on a safety, and it's been really, really effective. Yeah, the 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 catch we were just speaking to, and you said Carson made an outstanding throw. That was from a 12 personnel set, so you had two tight ends, a closed formation to the right side of the field, and you just, you're just you forcing a matchup on a safety. It's a run-heavy look from that direction, so they've got to be able to respect the run element. You don't want necessarily a corner matched up there as the force player all to the field. Uh, a very tough situation to defend, and the Eagles have been able to leverage that matchup for some big plays over the course of the last couple of weeks. And uh, Let's transition now, Greg, to the defense side of the football where uh, the defensive line I thought was very good in this game it's a very good Washington offensive line even though they were banged up and they did have to rotate a couple of players in overall thoughts on the defensive line in this game uh, I thought it was it was solid. Uh, you know, I thought Barnett had his best game. Um, I thought that he showed up in in a lot of different areas. Um, and you know, the one play I guess that really stood out to me, and then probably stood out to you as as, uh, as well, was when he shed the the block of um, uh, of, of left tackle Williams to make the tackle in the run game. I forget exactly when that was, but that was a big time play. I thought he was effective as a pass rusher. Uh, but you know, I think this D line for the most part um, has been really pretty. Pretty strong in every single game. You know, you see Graham show up every week. We know what Fletcher Cox can do. I think Curry has played very well. Uh, you know, they've now gone with a really a four-man D tackle rotation, which I think as the season progresses will be a really good thing. Yeah, and then you see just the the way that they utilize all those guys up front. You know, you get into their nickel sub package, and they played a good amount of dime, especially in the second half. We'll talk about that in a bit. But up front, you know, they, the their signature sub-rush package has been Fletcher Cox with a combination of three defensive ends on the field, typically Brandon Graham inside with Derek Barnett and Chris Long on the outside. And Chris Long, we've talked about him in the last couple of weeks, has done a really, he's kind of surpassed, I think, people's expectations on the field. We knew what kind of person he was off the field and, and everything that he's done there. But on the field, I thought he's been uh, he's been very consistent on a weekly basis. He uses his hands really well and is just always peppering those quarterbacks with his his presence in the backfield. Brandon Graham has been able to generate rush inside and outside. He created that interception for Corey Graham there in the fourth quarter. But I, I really, really liked what the Eagles have done up front with trying mixing and matching different personnel packages along the defensive line. As we know, you mentioned Graham lining up inside. There are times we've seen Cox line up outside. Curry can line up in both spots. I mean, it's really been very effective. They're a predominant four-man uh, 
D-line pass rush team. Uh, they selectively blitz. Uh, they, they show some zero blitz. I think they had three snaps of it last night. Uh, and then they showed some zone blitz concepts as well. They're not a high percentage blitz team by NFL standards, but they're a timely blitzing defense. Uh, look, you can look at the Graham interception in the fourth quarter. That was a blitz. So it's timely and it can be effective. Greg, the, I mentioned earlier we saw some dime here, and, the, and really where this becomes very integral is that the Eagles lose Jordan Hicks for the season. So you lose Jason Peters, you lose Jordan Hicks, uh, and obviously a huge loss in the middle of that Eagles defense. The Eagles played some nickel early in the game, but they had some coverage uh, misassignments there from guys like Joe Walker and Najee Good t- trying to step in and fill that role for Hicks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do moving forward because you got to see a little bit more dime and some big nickel, quote-unquote, with those three safety packages with Corey Graham coming onto the field and Malcolm Jenkins coming down into the box. Overall thoughts on what that could mean moving forward and how you kind of see that back seven being utilized moving forward. Well, it's funny because that was the question I, I typed watching the tape. I said, was increase in dime the result of Hicks getting hurt and D.C. Schwartz greater comfort, you know, with Graham than, than Good? Because Good, had he had the uh, the missed assignment on the Thompson touchdown. We saw Walker on, on a uh, in his own concept abandon his responsibility and open up the passing lane. So there were some issues with nickel. So will they feel now more comfortable with dime? Pr- uh, prior to last night's game, they played eight snaps of dime the whole season. Last night they played 13. So, you know, it's something now I think we have to watch for. Uh, I think that will be opponent-dependent. You know, I think really good passing teams, and, uh, you know, I don't know, they may not look at San Francisco and Denver, the next two opponents, as as those teams. I don't know. But uh, uh, it could be opponent-specific, or they may feel that Dime is going to be their predominant sub-package now. All right, well, let's get into that, Greg, for this week. The Eagles taking on a San Francisco 49ers team that's 0-7, and everybody's ready to look past, and everybody's looking at the spread, and it's 13 points. I'll tell you what, man, this, this team is a better team than, than what their record shows. They, I think you and I talked last night. They had so many losses this year by three points or less. The Eagles were that team last year, and they've clearly learned how to win. They've got talent on both sides of the football there in San Francisco. But when you look at that offensive side of the ball led by Kyle Shanahan, what are some of the things that you see from them? Where are their strengths right now moving forward? Obviously an ugly outing against Dallas, but like I said, I think it's a better team than what their record shows. Yeah, and I think with Kyle Shanahan, Fran, you always see really good concepts in the pass game. And you have to be careful about that as a defense because they do some things really, really well. Uh, We've talked about the post-cross combination. They're really good with the three-level stretch, the flood concept. They do some really good things, stack, bunch. I mean, this is a team that does good things in the pass game. Now, this will be the second start for C.J. Beathard. Uh, as you and I discussed, you know, he missed a few things here and there when, when he either didn't see them or got to them late, but he held his own in a game in which he had to throw probably more than they would like him to throw. Now, this is an offense that really starts with the run game, and an outside zone is the foundational run. And I thought Carlos Hyde looked really, really good last week, but the nature of that game was such he could only get 14 carries. In an ideal world, they'd like to play a game in which Hyde could get probably 18 to 22 carries and they could work the play-action pass game. One of the things that I think Kyle does 
maybe better than anybody in the NFL is what I call the run-pass fusion, where the run game and the pass game off play action look very, very similar. And they just haven't had a chance to really get into a groove with that. I mean, think back to last year with the Falcons when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. They were the best team in the league doing that, and they would get into a rhythm literally every week, and it was really difficult to defend. Yeah, and they, in that matchup against the Falcons last year, the Eagles, the only team all season long to hold that offense under 23 points and 15 points in that game. And really, when you go back and you watch, I thought that the Eagles defense did a really good job, not just locking up Julio Jones, but being really disciplined in their zone coverage and really taking away some of those crossing concepts, some of those in-breaking routes uh, that they like to utilize off-play action, like you mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to go about it. Obviously, the, the, the personnel that he had in Atlanta is a lot different than what he has now, but the scheme remains the same. Like you said, there were they hit on that post-cross a couple of times against Dallas, and that will be a part of their game plan this week, I'm sure. When you look at it, and you've said it'll be a kind of a week-to-week deal in terms of how the Eagles will utilize that secondary, do you think that we'll see more dime this week, or do you think that this is more like a nickel in terms of how they want to run the football there in San Francisco? You don't necessarily want to go too light early on. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously... Uh... You know, a team, I, I could see them playing dime here because of the use of the backs in the run game. I mean, in the pass game, uh, you know, they use they like to use Matt Breida in the pass game, and I think he's been an effective receiver at times for them. Uh, you know, I think George Kittle over the last three, four weeks or so has become a really important piece in their pass game, the tight end from Iowa, you and I both liked coming out, and he's shown quite a bit more athleticism than I think some people might have believed he had. Uh, you know, you just look at their wide receivers. We know all about Pierre Garçon, still a really solid pro. And Goodwin, Goodwin can run, and they'll take some shots with him. If they can protect, and that's been a concern at times, but if they can protect, uh, they'll take some shots. Now, the, the protection will be an issue, certainly against the Eagles. And then when you get to the San Francisco defense, Greg, it's been a, a true facelift for them, a complete philosoph- philosophical change for that unit. And then you look up front, that's where the town is in that front seven. Now, they've lost some players. Eric Armstead is out. Uh, they've lost some players off the edge. They've lost players, a linebacker. Uh, they cut Navarro Bowman last week. So they're definitely going with more of a youth movement. And really, they've kind of had to replace some players along the line. I know they added uh, Doosable last week, and he ended up starting and seeing a lot of time for them. Tony McDaniel saw a lot of st- a lot of snaps for them as well on the inside up front. But DeForest Buckner is so disruptive, and he's so explosive in terms of a guy that size to come off the ball with his long limbs. He's so disruptive against the run in the pass. Uh, Reuben Foster came back from injury this week and looked very good. And then Solomon Thomas has had his moments as well. What have you seen from those three players specifically, Foster, Buckner, and then Solomon Thomas? Well, I think when Buckner's been out there, he's looked very good. He's a really explosive, dynamic player. He plays every snap when, when he's healthy. And I think that if he is indeed healthy, then he'll continue to do that. Buckner has certainly had his moments this year. Uh, there have been plays where he has looked absolutely dominant. I think he's a player who's ascending, who's trending up. I think he'll be a really, really good player. I think Solomon Thomas has gone through some of the rookie struggles. Uh, I think as a pass rusher in particular, he's gotten stuck on offensive linemen a little bit, and I think he needs to work through that. You know, he he's not one of those guys that's dynamically quick and and you and I I think agreed but I thought he was a, he was much better potentially as an inside pass rusher because I saw him more as a as a 
tight space guy, as a confined space guy. He's not a long guy. He's not a, spa- a space guy on the edge. And I think that, you know, they do use him on the edge, but, but what they normally like to do in their sub-packages is they, they do bring him inside. But I just think he's working through being a rookie and, and learning what it takes to beat NFL offensive linemen. Yeah, I definitely saw him as more of a phone booth guy as well. I, I definitely agree. And, and it'll be interesting to see when, when they are fully healthy because Armstead, Buckner, Solomon Thomas, I mean, all three guys can rush inside and, and be really disruptive. So when, when they are fully healthy, that, that should be a really interesting unit. Obviously will not be the trio that the Eagles will see on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. But uh, last thing, Greg, we'll look at into that secondary. Anybody standing out? They played a little bit more dime this week. Another team, I, honestly, that played a little bit more dime than what we've seen from in the past. They took Eric Reed and rotated him down into linebacker. He saw a lot of linebacker snaps ahead of Ray Ray Armstrong as that dime player. Uh, was that a surprise to you? And how do you just view this secondary on the whole as they come here to Philadelphia? I think that's the interesting point because when they they were very very consistent that when the Cowboys played eleven personnel with three wide receivers the Forty ers played dime and they and they did not play any nickel this week which was the first time this year they did not play any nickel they went right to dime as their sub package and Eric Reed was the dime safety playing in the box as a glorified linebacker now the issue with that and this is something we talked about with the Eagles run game and it hurt them against the Cowboys is if it's first and 10, you know, a lot of teams just line up on first and 10 with 11 personnel. The Eagles will do that quite a bit, obviously. So that's a that's a rundown for a lot of teams. They just happen to be in 11 personnel. And the Cowboys actually ran the ball 23 times uh, for 149 yards out of 11 personnel against the 49ers, and Eric Reed was in the game on all those plays. So we'll see if that's something they, uh, they reassess a little bit. They may not. Um, I'm not sure. You know, the Eagles are certainly not a running team the same way the Cowboys are a running team. That game against the Chargers, yeah, it was, I thought it was really, really interesting to see the splits for the Eagles' run game. When they were on the field with three receivers uh, and, and the Chargers were in nickel, their run game was outstanding, and they really gashed that L.A. Chargers defense with the ability to run against the, out of those three receiver sets. So if that is how the, the 49ers are going to try and play, play in dime against three receivers, uh, I think that's a little area. We might see a, kind of a game within the game here on Sunday afternoon. So that will be interesting to watch. For sure. I mean, I, look, I think this is a, a defense the Eagles can move the ball. They've struggled at corner. Uh, they, they basically are now rotating three guys, uh, the two guys who've been starting pretty much all year, Dante Johnson and Rashard Robinson. And now they've started to work in the rookie, Akello Witherspoon from Colorado, who is their third-round pick. Notice all these guys are, are tall, lanky, which fits Robert Sala's defensive approach. He has a background with Seattle, so they like those tall, lankier guys that have range. Uh, but it's been a struggle. Um, I think one of their best defensive players this year, quite honestly, has been the safety Tart. I mean, I think when you watch their film, I think he flashes, and they've tried to use him in different roles. He's, to me, he's been a, a good player for them. Yeah, I, I would agree, and it's been interesting with that shift in terms of going more to dime, with Reed coming down and playing in the box and Tart being the deep player. I kind of saw them as reversed options when I saw uh, those guys both coming out of college. But I agree, Tart has definitely made a lot of plays in every phase of the game for that Niners defense. Well, Greg, it'll be a fun game to watch here Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock at Lincoln Financial Field. I look forward to watching it with you and appreciate the time here, as always, on Chalk Talk on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. Thanks, Fran. 
Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's just one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to iTunes or Libsyn or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show, and leave a comment, and I wanted to leave uh, or give a shout-out to jluke557 Jason Lucas out in South Korea who's in the military and very much thank you for your service Jason and appreciate it uh, going and leaving a rating and leaving a comment saying how much he loves the show wishes he could do we could do more each week and trust me I wish I could do uh, a podcast every single day but uh, appreciate the, the comment there Lucas and appreciate all of you for all of your continued support for all of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com alright I teased it earlier I wanted to get into a player that has really flashed to me watching this San Francisco offense let's get to that guy now in our scouting report Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so this week on Scouting Report, I wanted to go over a day three rookie for the San Francisco 49ers, tight end George Kittle out of Iowa, who wasn't a day one starter. It took him a little bit of time to kind of get worked into the starting lineup there, but 6'4", just under 250 pounds. He's got good size, and he was pretty productive at the college level for Iowa and was one of the standouts at the Combine. That's not the reason why I loved him, though. I loved him long before he got to the Combine. He was a one-year starter at Iowa, and he was just such a complete player for Kirk Ferentz in that pro-style offense. He lined up all over the field, in line with his hand in the dirt, sometimes detached, sometimes as a, as a far slot. Athletically, he had everything you'd want. He was smooth in and out of breaks. He's got the burst to pull away in a short area. He could turn on the jets and attack down the vertical part of the field, and he tested that way in Indianapolis. Like I mentioned, he, t- he ran, I think, a 4-5-3 at the tight end spot at 250 pounds. Really, really impressive performance athletically out in Indy. But he was able to run away from defenders in space on crossing routes. He's shown the ability to do that here at the NFL level. But more importantly, he's a really savvy route runner. I thought he was ready-made out of the box to be able to be an NFL tight end because of his ability to run routes at a pro-style level. Shows the ability to attack leverage and lean into a defender one way before breaking opposite. I was really impressed with his ability to settle into the soft spots of zone coverage and make himself available to the quarterback. He only had one uncontested drop all of last season. Now, low amount of targets. There wasn't a pass-heavy outfit there for the Hawkeyes, but overall, very, very reliable at the catch point. He competes through contact. He's a physical, aggressive player, especially as a blocker, and he took that role very, very seriously. If you just go on Twitter and you just go and find, like, you know, George Kittle block, just go search that, you'll see how ferocious this kid is at the point of attack. And I really love that willingness, both in pass protection as well as in the run game. He's really in sync with that offensive line when he comes off the ball. He's very clean technically as a, as a blocker, and he excels at locating moving targets out in space in the screen game. So overall, just a very well-rounded player. Uh, and I, I saw him as an every-down tight end, the ability to be that kind of player. In fact, when I wrote up my final report on him, I compared him to Brent Selleck. And, and obviously the, the Brent Selleck that we know has been an outstanding, steady presence throughout the course of his career here in Philadelphia. I wrote that Kittle, it wouldn't shock me at all if he became a starter early because he's got every trait you want, proved it at the combine that he's more than athletic enough to be a weapon in the passing game, and he was out, absolutely one of those guys that did all the little things 
for his college program. He may just be a backup when it's all said and done, but he's got starting traits. That being said, he should begin his career as a number two guy. He's began his career as a number two guy. He's turned into the number one target, especially with his college quarterback, C.J. Beathard, now calling the shots at quarterback. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we see Kittle more often than not being the recipient of a C.J. Beathard target here on Sunday afternoon. So keep an eye out for George Kittle. I think he's going to be one of the big factors for the 49ers in the passing game. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm exhausted. We're going to get ready for next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening here once again to Eagle Eye in the Sky.